welcome to Coffee Code and Culture Season 2. Um, I'm here with Josh Humphrey, um, who was one of the hosts last season. I'm joining this season as one of the hosts as well. Um, you might recognize me from the podcast about imposter syndrome, but I apparently um, impostered well enough that they asked me to come back as a host. So um, me. today... <laughs> I fooled everybody. Um, <laughs> now, today we'll be talking about breaking barriers. Um, so, Josh, I'm going to pass it to you. What What is a barrier? What do we mean by breaking barriers? I'm talking about like blockers you may encounter and how to deal with them and when to raise your hand and say, I'm stuck, I need help. Yeah, I know I've definitely had times where I'm working on something and I'm getting stuck and then I'm thinking, okay, how stuck is too stuck? You know, like at what point do I ask somebody for help? At what point do I keep chugging through it? So what's been your experience with blockers? Aside from like waiting for other work to be completed or like not getting all the information from a client, like those I think are blockers, but then also like if you have a bug, you can't figure out or you have to approach a task that you don't know how to do, um, blockers as well. And in code school, they taught us to use the 20 minute rule. Like if you're banging your head against something for 20 minutes and you're making no progress, like don't waste more time, ask for help. And I would like to say that I always do that. Sometimes I'm stubborn, like I can figure this out, <laughs> but I end up wasting a lot of time and sometimes you just need a fresh pair of eyes to look at it and see what you've done yeah, wrong. Absolutely. I know there's been times um, where somebody's asking me for help and they've tried everything that they can, they've researched it. And then I come over uh, and this has happened, you know, the other way around as well, but I come over and within about 10 seconds, I'm like, did you try this or did you try this? And it was the one thing that they were missing and I was able to get them unstuck. Yeah. And sometimes all you need to do is put a message in Slack about it so everyone can see that you're having a problem. Then you'll instantly figure it out. And then, <laughs> you know, so try that first. Post the message if it doesn't come yes. to you and move on from there. <laughs> it kind of sounds like the uh, rubber duck method, if you've heard of that, of like telling your problem to something and you sometimes figure it out. There you go. Uh, got I've got one. guy over here. Around here somewhere, I have more at the other office. Um, but I've done that where you just talk through your problem or in the middle of asking the question, you figure out the answer. So you're like, sorry for throwing a bunch of words at you, but thanks for getting me unstuck. What I've been doing recently is like, if I get stuck before I ask about it, I'll write everything down, like on paper. Like this is what my goal is, this is what's actually happening. And sometimes I can get it from that, just like, it's a lot easier to do that sometimes and try and like sift through a bunch of code. But let's talk about how you ask for help. Mm. Like if I got a message that was just like, hey, do you have a second? <laughs> I'm like, yeah, but, but if they were like, hey, do you have a second to talk about this? That's better, but what's even better if they're like, hey, do you have a second to talk about X? I've tried Y and Y. And that that's going to get you a better response and not annoy your coworkers. Oh, absolutely. And it's a lot easier if you're the 
one, helping somebody else instead of having to go through that whole list of, okay, did you try this? Did mm -hmm. you try this? Did you try turning your computer off and back on again? Um, already seeing something that they've tried or seeing that they've put through, put the effort into trying to solve it, I think gives them that position where they want to help you. Cause they're like, okay, clearly you're not just wanting me to do the work for you. Because mm -hmm. I think some people fall into that of, oh, this is hard. I don't want to do it. I'm just going to ask somebody for help and try to get them to do it for me. Um, but saying like, I've tried this. This didn't work. I tried this. This didn't work. What else do you think I should try mm -hmm. is definitely helpful. Yeah. Yeah. And I don't, I don't know why, but like sometimes when I'm asking for help, I feel like I'm bothering my teammates. You know, because I'll get into a place where like I'm focusing and then if something, if I could get a message that pops up on the screen, it takes me a while to get back into it. So I always feel like I'm annoying people. Not always, but sometimes. It used to be always when I started out, but yeah. you know, it's just <laughs> part of it now. Yeah, I, I've definitely done that too. I'm like, is it worth me spending an extra 15 minutes trying to figure it out because I might be super close to the solution or should I just ask somebody for help or it's a little bit easier when you're in the office and I can like see people working. Mm -hmm. I can tell if somebody's like in a meeting or looks like they're super focused. Uh, but I can imagine with um, Slack or other calendars, you can put like focus time. Some people have their calendars like this is my focus time. This is my um, yeah not unfocused time, but more free mm -hmm. to switch to other tasks time. So I think that could be helpful as well is if other people are using that, then you can take advantage of that when you're asking for help. It's tough, like to know, like you said, like you see the green circle and you're like, oh, they're, they're online. I won't message someone with the do not disturb thing up unless I really have right. to, but I never put that status like I should. So people can see that I'm like, focusing on something I feel like when I am super focused on what I'm doing code wise and I see a message from somebody else as long as it's not it doesn't look super urgent a lot of times I will try to finish what I'm working on and then get to the message within like a reasonable amount of time right um so I'm aware of like other people asking for help I can either choose to stay on task for a little bit longer or if it's something that I can I know I can get back to easily enough then I can go ahead and switch tasks real quick and then come back to whatever I was doing. So I guess let's talk about what we do before like we reach out for help. And we talked about like wanting to give the person all the context. Um, what are some steps you take when you get stuck? This one is from one of my college teachers who, I don't know if I took one of his classes specifically, but a lot of my friends did. And most of the times in a class, anytime you would ask him a question, his first response was, have you Googled it? Um, and I think that's kind of, a, it depends on the problem you're trying to solve. But I think a lot of times that can be a really helpful step. Um, throwing it into chat GPT, throwing it into Google and seeing, okay, is this, is there something that is relatively easy to fix or something that I'm just not thinking of? And the answer is right there. So Googling it is... Definitely one of the first things I try when I get stuck. And then, like you said, writing stuff out is super helpful for me. So I either have a whiteboard that I use or just a notebook and a pencil and just writing the diagrams of like this connects to this, connects to this. Um, 
I do that as well. And then just writing down a list of like, okay, I tried this, this didn't work. I tried this, this didn't work. And then usually by the time I get to that point, I'm like typing out a message to ask somebody else for help. I guess it's about the same for me, but my first step is usually swearing. And then I'll Google, look for documentation. Recently I was working on something and the documentation for that was real sparse. I couldn't find like all the properties I needed, but ChatGPT was able to tell me like, this is what you need, this is what you need. And so he's been a real help um, <laughs> and not having to bother my coworkers so much. And I shouldn't say bother, like, cause I don't think they feel that way. I don't feel that way when someone asks me for help. So I don't know why I feel like I'm bothering people. <laughs> I think it kind of goes along with the imposter syndrome. It's like everybody experiences it and then they assume that they're the only people that do. They're like, oh, I'm the only person that bothers other people. Nobody else, everybody else can ask for help. And, you know, it doesn't bother me, but I'm sure when I ask for help, it bothers people. I doubt so, that it does. Unless. Probably not. At least not like, here. Hey, do you have a second? <laughs> My <That's> first not... <laughs> instinct whenever I get those messages is, what did I do? Am I in trouble? <laughs> What did I break? Um, yeah. Now, your first step of swearing at the code, though, gives a different definition to a programming language. <laughs> <laughs> that was good. I liked that. Now that we've talked about identifying the blockers, what to do, or like how to ask for help, what do you do once you've solved it? Because I've really not done myself any favors in the past, like fixing something and just being like, all right, that's fixed. Instead of writing down like what happened or documenting it somewhere, because you're probably going to run into it again at some point. And it's nice yes. to have something to reference and look up what you did. Yeah, I've definitely done that and like found the answer on a really obscure, like second page of Google, uh, Google res results. Um, and like all the way in a Reddit, like at the bottom of the <laughs> comment section, found the answer right there and then implemented it and then forgot about it and then ran into the same problem. Like, I know the answer was there somewhere, but it took me a really long time to find and now I can't find it. And now I'm stuck again. Um, I do that pretty often. I feel like a lot of times once I figure something out or fix something, my brain wants to figure out why that worked. So once I figure out the why that that worked, it tends to stick better in my brain. So I'm less likely to get stuck in the same place. But something else that I like to do is just documentation, either because the documentation for it doesn't exist, or if somebody else after me is touching the same piece of code, I want them to know like, hey, this is this way because of this bug or because of this feature or because this is the only way I can get it to work. So either that documentation or just code comments. I'm a big fan of reasonable commenting code. Not like every line has an explanation and a timestamp, but hey, this looks weird. It's because of this. Those comments have been pretty helpful as well. I would love to say that I'm very good at leaving comments in my code, but I let it slip a lot of the times. So I'm just like, this makes sense, but I know like I just talked about this a while ago, like, yeah, it's going to make sense to you because you wrote it. Like, that's how your brain works. 
like looking at someone else's code and trying to understand how their brain works and how they got to that point without any comments is really difficult. Kind of saying that to myself, like drive home the point to <laughs> write comments. <laughs> and even, I know I've looked at code before and I'm like, who, who wrote this? This doesn't make any sense. And then I trace it back in GitHub or whatever tool I'm using. I'm like, oh, that was that was me about yeah. four months ago. <laughs> yeah, I've I've done that too. I'm like, who did this? <laughs> it's <was> me. <laughs> but I did this just the other day with uh, like I got stuck on something, and I was like trying to upload a file to like a, a message, but then if you deleted the attachment like from the message before you sent it, you couldn't upload another file. And I mm. fixed that in one place and I was like, all right, great. Then it came up in another place and I got stuck on it again because I didn't document it anywhere. But then something even cooler than documentation, or I guess both of these combined, is once you figure out something like that, think about how you can make it like a more dynamic long-term solution. So this just doesn't become a problem in the future. And that's kind mm. of what we're trying to do with our our internal library, but everyone's been busy with clients. So struggling. Yep. <laughs> <laughs> Those clients always getting in the way of our personal projects. Yeah, I can't believe they would do that. <laughs> Going back to something you said earlier about like figuring out what the blocker is or figuring out how to get around the blocker. Um, I think assumptions play a really big role in blockers as well, because a lot of times you're either assumptions that you make intentionally or assumptions that you make unintentionally. Like I assume the code is supposed to work this way and that this is supposed to go here and this is supposed to go here. And then you get stuck and then you ask for help. And then you find out, oh, it's not supposed to go like this, you know, from A to B to C, it's actually supposed to go from like A to C to E back to B. <laughs> And because you were assuming it was going like in one direction, finding out that other bit of information, um, correcting one of those assumptions can get you unstuck. Mm -hmm. That's one of the things I ran into today, um, working on this really weird bug that's kind of hard to reproduce. And I was poking around in the database and I found this really weird relationship between two tables. And I was like, okay, who, who designed this? This is not the way you're supposed to design a database. I'm really confused. I don't understand why this points to this, you know, points to this other thing over here. It's like a database love triangle. Um, <laughs> and I asked one of the other developers about it and he's like, oh yeah, it's because of this other, this edge case, or this can be a group and not an individual. So you can have this relationship to this other table over here, look a little bit different in that situation. So knowing that extra piece of data, I mean, I'm still, I'm not stuck on the bug. I'm still working on it, um, <laughs> but that got me unstuck. It helped yeah. me get past, you know, where it was. Some things are just hard to do. Like I was working on something today that was really confusing and a bug I couldn't figure out. And I was like, I should ask for help on this, but I felt like it would have been a like too many cooks situation. You know, like I wrote this. I don't know if like trying to go through it with someone else will help. So I don't know if I don't want to say like you should always ask for help. 
and then you know i just did that but i don't know i guess like pick your battles um when to call in your reinforcements in my head there's like this almost equation that i use and i can't explain it super well um but the different factors are okay how much time is it going to take me to work through this am i making progress have i been making progress how much time is it going to take that me to explain this to somebody else because i've had those problems where i'm like two days into it and there's just a lot of information a lot of factors to deal with that it would take an hour to explain to somebody and sometimes that's what you need to get unstuck but other times you're like okay if this is going to take me an hour to explain to somebody let me try this one other thing first and then just figuring out like okay is this something that i'm making progress in and i'm learning or is this something that i'm getting really frustrated with mm -hmm. because when i hit that like emotional frustrated point i know i need to take a step back go for a walk get a drink something like that first and then ask for help and then come back to it with a clear head and that does wonders that helps quite a bit i think we discussed that in one of our other episodes just like take a break if you're banging your head against it if you've already asked for help and that didn't work out go take a break like go outside touch some grass yeah maybe not today because it's cold but you can look touch outside some frost. yeah <laughs> um something that's kind of difficult for us like working remotely and like only having like not having a bunch of say front-end developers on one project like if i need help with something front-end and i need to ask another developer it might take more time for me to explain like all the context of what's happening before we can actually like get to fixing the problem. And I guess that's another balance thing. Like you were saying, like that's factors into your equation kind of bit of a good bit. Yep. <laughs> Talking yeah, hard. figuring out it is, it is. And like once you once your the train of speech derails, it just kind of keeps going. You have to like stop restart the sentence yeah continue <laughs> yeah okay so we've covered different like what are blockers um assumptions we make with the blockers how to identify when you're actually stuck when to ask for help how to ask for help uh what other what other questions or topics do we want to cover i think that's like mostly what i had in mind one other thing is like don't rely on just your like developer coworkers, but your managers should be there to help you. So uh, like communicate that to them early as possible. Um, like this could be a problem. All right, now it is a problem just so it's on everyone's radar. And I think that helps them too. I'm thinking specifically of like project managers um, to help them track either the tasks or the progress or just timing of things. Just knowing even if they're not, they don't have like their hands in the code just to know, okay, you know, Amy's stuck on this bug. This bug looks like it's going to be a lot harder than we thought. I'm going to make sure that that has some extra time or extra resources, or, you know, I'm not going to expect that to be done tomorrow. Yeah. They're there to help. And it, you know, covers you if you like raising flags and slack. <laughs> <laughs> yeah. But I think that about sums it up. I don't have anything else to say. So <laughs> Amy, do you? <laughs> I think the summary would be don't let yourself get stuck for too long. Uh, ask for help. Other people 
want to be there to help you, whether that's like your coworker, your other developers or managers, and you can learn from digging through it, but you can also learn from other people's perspectives. And if all else fails, swear at your code and take a walk. Yeah, that's a great summary. I'm glad you're here because <laughs> I would have just ended on, I have nothing else to say. All right, well, Amy, thanks for carrying the conversation today. And <laughs> thanks for watching or listening and join us next time where we'll talk about something else. <laughs>